Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Sinkula, CEO of Digital Dawn, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Here on the Ecom Profit Podcast, I open Pandora's box and share with you and other ecom business owners weekly topics that will help you explode your business online. I outline my tried and true secret sauce, the D2D method, that's guaranteed to bring your business results. As an entrepreneur myself, I try to pull out all the same entrepreneurial passions in others. So get ready to be fired up about your business and let's have a great time. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. Welcome to the Ecom Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Don Sinkula, and today we have an amazing guest with us, Brittany Long, the queen of Evergreen, as she is known, and friend and uh, fellow marketer, somebody that I have known for a while, and I'm really excited to have her on today to tell us about all things Evergreen. So welcome, Brittany, to the show. Thanks for having me, Don. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So as we get started, before we dig into like all the really meaty stuff that I know you're going to share with us, tell us, because I think this is a really important, cool background that you give to everybody, but tell us your, your background, your history. How did you kind of get into being the queen of evergreen and, and all sorts of stuff? <laughs> Well, it all started back when I was a teacher, actually. I was a middle school science teacher, and I loved it for my first year. It was great. I felt fulfilled. And then by probably halfway through my second year, I was burnt out and exhausted, and I had taken on way too many things, and yet we still, like, money was tight, you know, because we, my husband was a teacher also, and uh, it was really difficult to plan anything, you know, fun or vacations or things like that. And so I started to think, well, maybe this isn't, you know, for me long term. Um, but I thought, well, maybe I'm just being ungrateful. Maybe I just need to write in my gratitude journal more. <laughs> maybe I need to change schools. So I tried all of these things. But yeah, yeah. but th that summer I actually um, had a cancer scare. And I remember sitting in the office at the doctor and uh, them saying, you have cancer. It's aggressive. And asking questions and them not being able to tell me anything else. And so for a solid two weeks, I thought that I was dying. I thought this is my last year on earth. And the thing that really stuck with me as we drove home that day was, am I okay with how I've spent my life so far? And the answer was a resounding no. And it wasn't because of teaching. It was, it was just, um, I think I knew deep down for a long time that I was supposed to be doing something else. Um, but it was teaching felt safe. It felt stable. It felt secure. And so the thought of doing anything else, I thought, well, I'll, I'll try it later. I'll try something else. Maybe I'll own my own business one day after I retire, all of these different things that I was, you know, waiting yeah. for too young, whatever. Um, and so, but as we drove home that day, I realized I might not have as long as I thought. Right. And right. am I okay with that? And I wasn't. And so I spent the next two weeks just kind of in and the sadness of what I could be missing out on. And it was incredibly, it was just really hard. And so then I went to the a specialist um, because apparently they were the only ones that could actually tell me what was going on. And I remember going and she said, you don't have cancer. It's not aggressive. It's localized. It's pre-cancer cells. We can fix it in one small procedure. And so it was, it was a crazy roller coaster ride for those few weeks. Yeah, I, I know. Um, 
but I'm, I mean, as, as traumatic as that was, I'm so thankful it happened at the same time and so thankful they were wrong, of course, but so thankful that I, that that happened so that I could reevaluate at a younger age, what it was that I actually wanted to be doing. And so that kind of pushed me into this obsession with figuring out what's next for me, obsession with creating a life that I absolutely loved every piece of it, instead of dreading and waking up and not wanting to do what I was doing. And so that's, that's kind of how that started. I spent the next probably year, year and a half complaining (laughs) instead of doing something about it. And, um, you know, thinking, oh, it's, it's, all this other, all the, it's somebody else's fault that I'm miserable. It's the school's fault. It's this fault. It's no, it was my fault. And I read the book, the compound effect, and that completely changed my life. I realized I could take responsibility for my actions and that much of my life could be determined by the actions that I take consistently. And that's, that's when I was like, okay, I know that I'm meant to be in entrepreneurship. So that's, that's the wild story of how I got there. And then that really weaves too into the evergreen side of it. So For anyone that's listening that doesn't know what evergreen is or evergreen emails are, um, so it's a way of writing emails that you can automate um, that aren't time sensitive, that don't have current events in them, so that you can create them once and then they keep running for you again and again and again. The benefit of that, of course, is that it's one thing you can take off your plate once it's done. You get to continue to nurture your audience so that they feel cared about, they feel helped, um, they get great resources, and then you also get to make offers throughout the year without having to think about it. And for people, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but sometimes I, I get into that mindset where I'm like, I feel bad pitching, blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. having, yeah. So having my emails pitch for me without me thinking about it is a really good way for there me to go. go. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's so much to unpack there, but first of all, I've heard you tell this story before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've been in groups before and I've heard you tell this story before. And every time I hear it, I'm always like, man, what would I do Mm. if somebody had given me that, that news, would I have fulfilled all the things? Right. Mm. And, and so I think just pausing on that a minute and recognizing that, you know, as we kind of move through life, the entrepreneurship path is not for the weak either, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's definitely not something that I take lightly, but it is this path that like gives you this freedom to be able to set your own course. And I think a lot of times people, you know, wish they would have, should have, could have, would have. And I, I think that's a great message to just remind people that like, now is the time, right? If you're thinking about it, or if you're in the process of, of thinking about it, or you're right at the beginning of doing it, all that kind of stuff. I, I think that is such an important piece to take away. And then the the part that we're really going to dig into is this evergreen email kind of conversation around how you do this in a way that, because you, you have a lot of different systems set up. I mean, the, you don't just, you know, email is kind of what maybe you're quote unquote known for in, in that aspect, but you also have a lot of things that you're doing around balancing life and family and all those kinds of things that I think stem from, you know, this situation, but the evergreen piece of it really sort of is like the springboard, I think, or the Mm -hmm. platform that you've sort of used to build out a lot of different thought processes and and systems Mm -hmm. and things like that too. So when you talk about an evergreen system, you, you mentioned that it's kind of a one and done sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So if you think about in the e-com space, right, there's a lot of 
changes that are happening, right? And, and it's kind of in a constant state of change. And a lot of the times businesses will have, you know, abandoned cart sequences, or sometimes they don't, but abandoned cart sequences or welcome sequences or, you know, uh, product description sequences or things like that. Is that kind of what you mean when you say like, are those considered evergreen or how would you maybe define some of the things that people maybe commonalities of things that people maybe already have set up? Is that like define it for me a little bit differently in in the aspect of maybe what I currently have as far as evergreen goes? Yeah. So evergreen is anything that you set up once and it, as far as emails go and it runs again and again. So abandoned cart sequence, absolutely. That's evergreen because you write that email once. And then as soon as somebody abandons a cart, it fires out to them immediately. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to write another email. You don't have to send it out manually. Welcome sequences are the same thing. Fulfillment sequences are the same thing. If you work with affiliates or influencers to promote your offers, having some kind of sequence for them to remind them to promote you is the same thing. Um, Also having some kind of buyer sequence as well. So if you have somebody that's bought once, putting them in that sequence where you can give them special deals and coupons or let them know when a sale is about to happen. Uh, Those are all great evergreen sequences. Uh, If you're going to, if you're doing the sale, if you have a sale that you know is happening, uh, like a flash sale or something like that, that can be set up and just runs maybe every few months that can go in an evergreen sequence as well. But basically anything that you don't have to say, Hey, this thing is coming up right this second. Um, anything that they can, they can, they can go out automatically. Well, those are though, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think we're all working towards, right. Is, mm-hmm. is as much evergreen as we possibly can get. And the things like that, where we can set them up and, and set it and forget it sort of things. So not necessarily evergreen per se, but like when you talked about fulfillment emails and influencer emails and abandoned card emails, what do you think are kind of maybe the top three or maybe there's five, I don't know, of the the most important emails that someone should have and then getting those into an evergreen sort of situation. So you know, e-com is a little bit in a different space than the info products, but I think there's still a lot of mesh on, you should have these set of email sequences set up regardless of what you're selling, right? So in your opinion, what do you think is the, like the most important types of sequences that people should focus on first? So for e-com, I'd say abandoned cart is definitely the first one. Um, If I could only do one, it would be abandoned cart for e-com. And the reason is because um, that one's going to be the easiest one to earn back money from or earn money from. Uh, Because if you have anywhere from 70 to 85% of people abandoning their cart, even if you were able to recover 10% of those sales, that could be significant for you, especially over time, but even in a month's period, depending on how much traffic you have have coming in. So for sure, abandoned cart definitely is one that you want to have. For e-commerce, I'd say a buyer sequence also. That would be like your VIPs or the people that want coupons or the people that have bought from you before. Um, these are your warm, warm, warm leads. These are the ones that you can make sales from uh, probably fairly easily. And so having that sequence to remind them to go back to your shop is going to be a really helpful one for that. Um, and then the other one I'd say was probably your fulfillment email because or your fulfillment sequence. A lot of people have one fulfillment email, but if you want to get the most out of it, you can have a fulfillment sequence where you give them a little bit more information about other products they might like um, and other ways to connect with you. That's that's great. Okay, so we said abandoned cart, buyer sequence, and fulfillment sequence. So mm-hmm. let's 
talk a little bit more about each one of those. <laughs> we can dig okay, in just perfect. a little bit different to some of them. So mm -hmm. I have heard all sorts of different things about abandoned carts, right? Mm -hmm. I hear that you should have three. I should hear, I hear that you should have five. I hear you have eight and that they should come at all these different times. And I think in my experience thus far, it has been somewhat dependent on the type of product that you have. It's somewhat mm -hmm. dependent on what that sequence looks like. But generally speaking, in your experience, abandoned carts, give me more tactical stuff. Like, it, have you seen success with like four emails and it goes out six hours after the fact or, you know, maybe not that specific, but like what, what have you seen work well as far as an abandoned cart sequence goes? Maybe the number of them or, or such. Yeah. So what we see, according to the data that we've seen most recently, three to five uh, emails get you the most uh, recovery um, and without losing subscribers. So it's like that fine line between we don't want to lose subscribers. We also want to make the sale. So three to five uh, is where we've seen the best results so far or not so far, but currently <laughs> up to date right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, and so that's where I would start as far as the number goes. And then usually what we do is 15 minutes after. So after they have been in cart 15 minutes, uh, I usually assume that they've either forgotten or they had some kind of question that they didn't have answered. Um, and so usually in this one, I like to ask them to reply and let me know if there's any questions they had. And then I also give them the link just in case they just got distracted because <laughs> that has definitely happened to me before. Um, and the second email, I also ask them to, or I answer the questions that most of the time I get in the first email. Uh, and I try to, if I see the same questions being asked again and again, I'll also add that to the page if I'm able to, um, so that I can bust that one ahead of time as well. And that seems to work really well for us. Um, and then the third email, I remind them what it is that they could get. Uh, cause I can't even remember what I ate like three days ago. So yeah. I'm <laughs> even for lunch. And so I'm assuming most people don't remember the thing they almost bought three days ago, most of the time. Um, and so then the fourth and the fifth, it's really just highlighting the features of the product, um, showing them what it would look like, showing them what it would look like on them, giving them a way to visualize it for themselves. Um, and really, uh, a target I think does a really good job of this. So they'll have like a picture that somebody took. Um, and then share it on Instagram and they'll feature that. And so yeah. those kind of things um, we've seen do really well for e-commerce for uh, a banana card. Yeah. So user generated content type mm -hmm. situations where you can really highlight in those in those latter emails. Now, um, you know, I, I love the um, humorous type of abandoned cards where like mm -hmm. there's funny you know, subject lines or things that, you know, kind of are quirky and, and things like that. Obviously, it has to be brand appropriate and things like that. So replying, you know, to your, hey, did you forget something in your cart kind of thing? And then questions and all that kind of stuff. That's all really good. So three to five emails that happen pretty quickly, staggered over time within, you know, three days time or five days time, right? Based on what, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um you have, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but do you have any statistics on what is a good recovery rate from an abandoned cart? So like what, what would you expect to get back? You said mentioned like 10% of those sales. Is that just kind of, you know, what, what would you so say? 
Right now for us, we recover about 24% of the sales that uh, filled out the step one, but not the step two. So they had, they abandoned cart. So that's for us, but we, ha- we don't have an e-commerce industry for us personally. Um, so a lot of people I see for e-commerce is around 17 to 19% is like yeah. really, really good. Yeah. So I think that's important because when we think about, you know, evergreening things and we're, we, we set it and forget it, the intent is to make those sales off the back end without right. us having to do a whole lot of additional work like mm-hmm. the abandoned cart. But we also have to set realistic expectations that we're not going to recover every single person all the time. And that's why these other types of emails are so important to keep people engaged even after they come out of the abandoned cart sequence. So I think, you know, having something around a, a realistic expectation of that 10, 15, maybe 20% of an abandoned cart, you know, you're not looking for 60% recovery here. You're just looking for a little bit of something <laughs> with the people that left. And that's the point of the set it and forget it is that they come back and then they purchase and you pick that up. So that's great. Okay. So you talked a little bit about a buyer sequence and a fulfillment sequence. So buyer sequence, I always use the term, and I think we're saying the same thing, use the term like welcome sequence or something like, you know, hey, after you've purchased this, here's an educational sequence. What kinds of things are you, when you say a buyer sequence, is that kind of what you're talking about? Or is there something specific that you kind of call that? It's similar, um, but usually what I do is I have uh, the fulfillment sequence, and then I go to welcome sequence after that, that everybody goes through this really information about our company, how we can help them, or other products they might like uh, that we have all the time, that kind of stuff. And then I go into some kind of evergreen sequence, like that's a longer one, whether that's that nurture and sell sequence for people that haven't bought or a buyer sequence for people that have bought. Um, the welcome sequence, you could include uh, coupons and stuff like that in it, but the buyer sequence is a little bit longer um, and it has a little bit broader uh, strategy as well. So instead of it just being four emails, which is what we usually do for welcome um, and being very focused on building that culture and building that brand with them and building that rapport with them, this one is um, more about showing them the other things that they can get. Ah, so kind of like upselling a little bit or things that would be compliments to the things that they'd already purchased or you bought, you know, widget A, here's widget B and C that might also look really fantastic or be a nice compliment. Okay. Okay. So I like that a lot. And a lot of times I think that's for sure a miss um, in the e-com space and definitely, I mean, sometimes we're just focused on getting abandoned carts done and like, hey, here's the fulfillment email and stuff like that. So the buyer sequence is really another opportunity for people to make an additional level of sale, but do it in a very seamless way where, like you said at the beginning, you're not pitching necessarily. It's just flowing through a natural evergreen email sequence that people can, you know, see the other products. So I love that. And how many, how many emails do you think are appropriate for something like that in a buyer sequence? At least 10, you can do many, many more. I would say at least one a week for, well, one a week for 10 weeks at least. And then you can, you can add to it if you want. Um, one thing that I really like about having a buyer sequence versus just having one sequence for everybody is with the buyer sequence, because they've already bought from you, it's easier to use that more committal language. So like buy now, uh, purchase now, those kind of things versus yeah. with the non-buyers, you want it to be a little bit less committal because they're still, they haven't quite decided yet. So it's find out more, discover more, see more, 
um, read more those kind of those kind of not passive but less less yeah. committal. Yeah, less committal. That's good. That's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that call to action is so important in those mm-hmm. emails that you're consistent and that you use the right call to action in the right email sequence. So that that's brought up a really good point too. And I see that happen frequently where you will get an email from an e-com store and it's like, uh, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> or right. I didn't even buy anything. What am I signing up for? You know, or I, I don't want right. to get on the VIP program. I haven't even purchased anything from you yet. So mm-hmm. you have to be be very careful with the language, the call to action, things like that. So that's great feedback on buyer sequence versus fulfillment versus welcome, things like that. Mm -hmm. So let me transition just a little bit into writing emails, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, for people who are not writers, this always feels like a daunting task, you Mm -hmm. know, write abandoned cart sequence. Now you can buy templates and Mm -hmm. I think those are, you know, great. I think you can use a lot of times there's you know, if you're using Clavio or Active Campaign or whatever, they'll have, you know, sort of pre-built templates for you and things like that. You know, what what do you recommend? Like, let's say I don't have a ton of money to go buy, you know, or, or hire a copywriter. I mean, I always recommend that that is something that you should do if you can't afford it. A direct mm-hmm. sales copywriter is always great to have, but a lot of times that's not realistic, right? So what do you, what do you recommend for how to like 10 emails sounds like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of emails I have to, I have to mm-hmm. do. And now landing cards, so that's, we're up to 16 and now I'm like, you know, and then I freak out and then I don't write any emails at all. Right. So what, what kind of strategies or tips or recommendations do you have for how to make this not seem so overwhelming? So the first thing I'd suggest doing is getting really clear on your audience. This has made writing emails so much easier. Anytime I work with people now, I show them like, let's start here with this. uh, And it's made it much, much easier for them. So start with your person, what they like, don't like, uh, who they are, what kind of things they identify as, um, what kind of things they put on their shirt or on their bumper sticker. Uh, Those are the kind of things that we want to think about. Because if you can speak directly with them instead of just speaking at them, so you're speaking their language, they're using the language that they use, it makes it so much easier to write great emails fast. Um, If you're not totally sure what questions they'd be asking or what things they're looking for, using uh, the website Answer the Public um, or Reddit or Google are all really great places to go for that. Um, so that's the first thing that I do is get really, really clear on who it is that you're helping, who it is that you're, or who it is you're serving, who is buying from you. Um, and so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is to get clear on what they want, not what you think that they want or what they need that they don't know they need yet, but get clear on what they actually want. And then when you go to write the emails, the, um, the, format that we follow. So this is one that we came up with for our company. We use it internally and then we teach it also. It's called the ATMRN method. And I wish I had a better acronym for it, but I don't because I'm a terrible name. So sorry, but it starts with attention. So something that's going to grab their attention about that product. And that could be um, a little headline. It could be a picture. It could be um It could be a statistic, but something that's going to catch their attention from the beginning. And then the T stands for tell your story. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, I went to Target today. It could be I saw this person wearing this thing or here's somebody and what they said about it. Uh, But some kind of story in there usually does really well. 
And then the M is make it mean something. So if we're telling a story, but we're not looping it back to how it relates to them, um, then they don't really care. <laughs> so make sure it means right. something to them. The next is R and that's reflection. So we want to reflect on what they're thinking, what objections are coming up for them, what questions do they have? And we want to um, answer those or bust those objections right there in that email um, by answering, maybe they want to know the sizes it comes in or how big it is. And so we can answer that right there. Um, if it's you know something we can do short and sweet. And then the N is next step. So what kind of action do we want them to take? That's your call to action. And so that's a format that we follow and it helps it makes writing emails a lot faster and a lot more fun, in my opinion, um, yeah. because you're not staring at a blank, blank screen every time. So usually we'll we'll actually put the words on the page. We'll put attention, tell your story, make it mean something, reflect, and next step. And then you can kind of just fill it in and then add in those those like transition words or phrases so that it flows better. But I found that by starting with that framework, it makes it a lot easier to get it done and get it done quickly and feel really good about what you're, what you're doing. That is great. That's super, super helpful nuggets there. So I think that is probably one of the biggest objections that I see from a lot, Mm -hmm. particularly with e-com business owners who are, you know, making products or, or in, you know, growth mode or they're, they're, they're just not thinking about that necessarily Mm -hmm. as a priority. And then when they do get to it or they get feedback or they tell, you know, somebody like me comes in and says, where's your abandoned cart sequence? And they're like, Oh, I don't know how to write it. You know, I, it, it, it sort of like makes it overwhelming. So I think Mm -hmm. using this and I got an ATMRN, right? That's correct. Yeah. So we'll put that, um, put, put a little snippet in the show notes about that because I think that's really important, but what do you think, Brittany, about like um, buying email templates? What What's your thought process around that? Because there are so many out there right now. And mm-hmm. I think some of them are fantastic, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And I think some of them are just crap. So it's kind <laughs> of a, a hit or miss in some mm-hmm. cases. But what, what are your thoughts about, you know, buying a template from somebody and, and using that for your your email sequence? So I have a love-hate relationship with templates. Um, So we have our own. So anything we're writing that's like in-house for our own company, we use our own templates and then we just make adjustments and stuff like that. And so I think one thing um, when you're looking at templates, if you're going to do templates, first of all, make sure that you understand how to customize it for your audience and your people. Um, And then second, understand that what you're getting isn't like a ready to go, done, like copy and paste sort of thing. It's going to take some time to edit it. Um, If it's taking you forever to write, then templates are a great place to start. And it's better to have an email, like have an abandoned cart sequence, have a fulfillment sequence that is from a template and maybe isn't like 100% the best thing in the world versus not having anything at all. So having something is 100% always better than having nothing. (laughs) Right. And then when you're trying to figure out who to buy from, I like to actually get on their uh, get on people's email list. So I don't buy other people's templates because we just you know make our own. But um, yeah. any other templates that I buy for anything else, whether it's dashboards or whatever, I look at what those people are already doing and putting out to the world first yeah. to see if it makes sense for me, to see if I like it, to see if uh, it's just not because sometimes you know there's a great sales page and you get kind of swept up in it. So I'm like, yeah. all right, let me take a look at what they're doing and make sure that it's not just really great sales page, really great copy that is actually something, you know what I mean? <laughs> that aligns with what I'm I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. We've all been yeah. there where we 
swept up in the moment of the of the marketing and then we are somewhat underfulfilled by the, <laughs> the back end of things. Yes. So yeah, that's a great idea. And I think too, you know, for e-com brands specifically, I always like to buy other people's products that are in mm -hmm. my category. So I have my own e-com business on the side as well. And I always love to buy other people who are in the same category because First of all, I like to just see their products, right? And I like to see how it comes. I like to see how it's put together. I like all of the stuff, but I do also really watch what they do on the backside of it because mm -hmm. that back end piece, that evergreen piece, those emails are so, so important. I mean, you're really actually just leaving money on the table by not doing something. Right. What you said, yeah. having something better than nothing. So right. I think that's a great recommendation for um, the listeners as you're thinking about potentially, you know, this method that you've given us is is very easy to like kind of format. But if you are really stuck or if you really just don't have the time or you can't get yourself, you know, or or something is blocking you. Getting a template is better than not having anything, but get on their email list first and see their emails that come to you before you buy them. So you know that they are actually, in fact, a legitimate thing and that that language is yours. I also think that's important to note that it isn't to set it, it, it you know, like take off the shelf and put it away, you know, kind of thing, even though we're talking about evergreen what are some some tips that you have about how often you should refresh your emails and things like mm -hmm. that so now i've got my sequence set up and i'm i'm wanting to you know set it and forget it so do you really just leave it leave them forever and you you kind of just you know i mean obviously you'd have promotions or things that might come into that but what is like what is your recommendation for do you really set it forget it kind of thing uh, for the most part, I do. I do look at it every, usually about every quarter. I take a look at my subject lines. I take a look at my click-through rate. I take a look at how well things are performing and the flow of it. And I look, all right, is there anything that needs to change around? Or is there anything that's changed? There's a, there was an email that was in my evergreen sequence. Uh, and there's something happening in the world. And I did not realize the subject line that I had. And it went out at the absolute worst time it could have ever possibly went out. I had a ton of backlash. But the worst part of all of it was that if I had remembered that that subject line was there, I would have never, like, I would have paused the sequence. I would have never sent it out. Um, and I, I hate the idea of somebody thinking that I did that on purpose. Like, that's the worst right. part of it. And right. so I do try to now at what I do is anytime there's something major happening in the world where it's some kind of disaster or something like that, I always pause. So like if there's a tornado, if there's a, you know, some kind of natural disaster or human disaster or something like that, I always pause my sequences just in case there's one that I've missed that wouldn't have been a big, like the subject line would have made sense then. But now, you know, if you yeah. put it together, it doesn't like, I always, right. always, always pause now. So that's yeah. one piece of advice I'd give. And then, um, like I said, I check usually once every quarter, but then after about a year, I only check once every six months. Um, mm -hmm. And then the reason is I have enough data to see what's working and not working. And that will change a little bit, but unlike, you know, Facebook algorithm and stuff like that, it doesn't change as much as those kind of things. So um, there's not as, as, I don't have to be on top of it all the time. Uh, it really is pretty much a set it and forget it. 
Good. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I, you know, if you've ever listened to any of the podcasts that I've done, I'm always about let data drive your decisions, right? And let data be the thing that helps you move the needle in your business one way or the next. And so having the opportunity to have at least a quarter's worth of emails, Mm -hmm. you know, that have gone out, that have, you know, done their thing, and then making adjustments according to that. And then, you know, great advice about, making sure that you pause at the appropriate times and things too. And I think, you know, right now in the world, we're pausing a lot, it seems like for for a lot of different reasons, but it is important that you are sensitive to that kind of stuff that you really recognize that, um, you know, it's better in some cases just to hold on to it um, for a moment. I mean, we're not saying don't send emails, but just, you know, be aware of your surroundings and what's going on in the world and things like that and, and be careful. Yeah. And something else I'd suggest doing is having a like spreadsheet that has all your subject lines in it. This is also great because then you can put the open rates, the click through rates, you can have all of that there for you also in one place. But that way you can do if there, you know, when there is something happening, you can do a quick scan through of the emails you have the subject lines and say, is there anything here that I need to change that, you know, wouldn't have been sensitive three months ago, six months ago, but because of something that's going on, like I said, tornado, like natural disaster kind of thing, you know, people getting hurt, that kind of stuff. You don't want to be insensitive to that. So just being aware of what your subject lines are. And then that way you don't have to be checking it every day, every week. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing it (laughs) that often. Um, But that way you can just do a quick line through, see if there's anything that you would need to pause for and then move on. That's great. That's great information and an easy way to keep track of it too, for sure. So as we kind of wrap up here with all of this great information that you've given us, is there anything else that, you know, business owners should be thinking about as it comes to emails or evergreens, or we didn't even get the chance to talk about your whole Friday off thing, which I think is an amazing subject. Maybe you want to touch on that just a little bit, but what are, what are some other tips or tricks of, of things that you might recommend as we So I would say the sooner you can get started on this, the better. Um, Even if you just do one email a day, that's 30 emails by the end of the month. That is a significant amount of emails. And so I think sometimes people see it as this big, huge undertaking, but it doesn't have to be. It can be 10, 20 minutes a day, less if you want to. But the big thing really is just to get started. And the reason I say that is the biggest thing is because I know I've worked with so many people that um, things are great, you know, ads are going great, this is going great. And then all of a sudden some kind of bomb drops in their life and they're like, crap, what do I do now? And then you're scrambling to create those things. And what I'm seeing is that people often will put off evergreen stuff, they'll put it off, put it off, put it off. But when we're looking at ours, like ours, uh, because our lists are growing, of course, um, we should be making uh, five figure months just from our evergreen sequence. And the longer you take to set that up, like the yeah. long, like why it's free money. Like why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to do right. that after you said that once? And so right. um, I think just really nailing into the urgency of it, that I know that email doesn't feel urgent. I know email isn't sexy. It's not like the newest fad, the newest trend, whatever. Um, but it is, it's like that stable, it's like the stable boyfriend, you know, that everybody's like, right. oh, he's a nice guy. And, but maybe I'll go for the bad boy. Like, no, <laughs> don't go for the bad boy. Everybody regrets it. Go for the good guy. And um, that's one of the ways. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but that's one of the ways that we take Friday off is by knowing that we have revenue coming in um, because we have emails going out even when we're take, fr- taking Friday off. And so we have something called a Friday off club where we just um, show you ways to, <laughs> to take time off. And email marketing is the first one that we always suggest because it's the one that you can set it up and then it's good to go. You don't have to keep coming back to it all the time. Yeah, and you you are so right in the fact that, you know, life is happening to us right now. And it, it is one of those situations where until we are put in a situation where we think, oh my gosh, I should have set that up. I should have done it well before now, then we're in a scramble sort of situation. And so I, I like the idea of, you know, just taking a 10, 15 minutes every single day and just writing one email or you know, modifying an email or tweaking something to get your Mm -hmm. sequence set so that you can set it and forget it. And Brittany and her whole team and her husband and everybody really does an amazing job of doing this and, and pushing for Fridays off and, and really having that life balance, which again, this is part of that is getting that evergreen stuff set up. So I think it's, it's really an important piece. It's foundational, right? It's a a foundational piece to your business that I think oftentimes gets overlooked. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have given us so much amazing uh, content and advice and recommendations today. I know the listeners are going to want to hunt you down and find you and see all your good stuff. So tell people where they can find you and where they can see all of your amazing, amazing tools that you have. Absolutely. So on Instagram, you can find me at the queen of evergreen has the, the, the beginning. So the queen of evergreen. And then on Facebook, we're the uh, Friday off club. You can find us there on email, Brittany at winwithsystems.com and then website winwithsystems.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that this is going to help so many people that are out there. I really do appreciate it. And for all of you who are listening, thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to see if you're a good fit to work with the Digital Dawn team, head over to digitaldawnagency.com forward slash contact and let's book a call. Thanks so much again and until next time.